believe it was the summer of 1981. And while I was at work with my squadron one day, my gunnery sergeant came to me and he said, listen, we've got Hollywood heading up to Port Townsend. And that was right across the water from Whidbey Island. And they're filming a movie and they need a dozen or so Marines. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 17 of the Removing Barriers podcast. In this episode, we will be talking to one of my favorite evangelists. I guess what I'm saying tonight is your body's at 98.6, your little ticker's ticking, and your little lungs are feeling, you're a candidate for bitterness. Did you know he was actually selected for a minor role in a movie? Learn more about that in this episode we are calling The Great God Entertainment. Jay, introduce our guest. We are thankful to have Brother Dave with us today to discuss the great little G God of entertainment. He is an evangelist and has been for 20 years now. Before that, he served our nation as a United States Marine, earning the rank of sergeant as an avionics and airborne troubleshooter and technician stationed with an EA-6B Prowler Squadron on Whidbey Island in Washington State. He's been an entrepreneur and a small business owner. He's been married for 36 years and has six children and 11 grandchildren with one more grandchild on the way. Congratulations. Uh, He testifies of the Lord saving him 40 years ago, and he's been serving God ever since. So we look forward to hearing the wisdom that the Lord has given him regarding entertainment and its effect on our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Brother Dave, welcome to the Removing Barriers podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. And though I don't get to do podcasts often, it's always a delight. Just want to let the viewers know uh, that, as Jay mentioned, I've been in ministry for 40 years and uh, was saved at the age of 18 as a young Marine. And the Lord really changed my life. And it's a delight to be with you. I trust I can be a help uh, to everybody tuned in. Uh, whether you know the Lord as Savior or whether you don't. Amen. Well, 40 years of ministry. Tell us about your ministry. I know you have the Summerdorf Evangelist Ministries and the Military Vet. Tell us about those. Yep, we do. You know, I was saved in 1980, and shortly after being saved, uh, just a few years later, I got out of the Marine Corps. I was a private pilot, and so I moved up to Alaska. A year later, came down in 84, married Deb, brought her up, so our ministry really began many, many years ago in Alaska, where I was a lay pastor, lay assistant pastor, and a Christian school supervisor. And what that simply meant is the majority of my ministry, probably 95% of it, I had a business. It paid our freight. And so I did the ministry for free and, and learned it in a very practical way. But in the year 2000, Deb and I, with our six children, got on the road. And we started Summerdorf Family Evangelistic Ministries. And they became an incredible singing group. They've actually got seven recordings they cut out there, gospel music. And, uh, and then we integrated into our ministry a tent meeting ministry. It was a gospel tent that would seat up to 300 people. And so we began to do tent meetings across America, ministering in churches. And our children were our uh, singing group, provided the special music. And, um, and then in the year 2006, when the majority of them left, we switched gears a little bit for our outreach and without my worker bees and without <laughs> my, you know, special music uh, group transitioned into a V 
vehicle that honors the 9-11 victims as well as the troops who died in Iraq, Afghanistan. And it's a military vet and it has all the 9-11 victims names under the hood, has all the troops, 6,318 that died in Iraq and Afghanistan the first 10 years fighting the war against terror. And so we traveled with that then and that became our outreach tool. We would set it up at Walmarts and we would uh, go ahead and meet the public and get literature in their hands, invite them out to the meeting. And, uh, and then now it's begun to move into museums, the Corvette National Museum, and now in a museum up in Pennsylvania. So really our ministry is to America. This is really our focus. I very much understand Americans, regardless of what station in life they're in. And then when we come in, we have a very particular goal as we come into a church to minister, and that is, first of all, the strength of the local church. Second of all, we want to encourage the saints, build those folks and get everybody moved one step closer to the Lord than when we showed up. And then thirdly, to engage the unredeemed. So our ministry is to America. Those are our goals now. We just celebrated our 20th year on the road, living in a motorhome uh, in August. So 20 years on the road, crisscrossing America, and trying to make a difference in the days in which we live. Amen. Thank you for that. And definitely, I, I enjoy your ministry. I enjoy listening to your messages on YouTube and sermon audio and stuff like that. And as I said, you're one of my favorite evangelists. But you know, one thing I have against evangelists and pastors, they usually start a story, but they never finish it. So I, <laughs> I was. Which story did you hear? I didn't finish. <laughs> you mentioned about the story that you were selected for a minor role for a movie as a young Christian. Oh yes. But you never yes. finish it. So here's your opportunity. Here it is. This will be the finish. Then that is interesting because from time to time that has been mentioned. I've never had somebody come to me and say, "Please finish the story." This is absolutely a first. I would have been probably about a year and a half old in the Lord at the time. I believe it was the summer of 1981. And while I was at work with my squadron one day, my gunnery sergeant came to me and he said, listen, we've got Hollywood heading up to Port Townsend. And that was right across the water from Whidbey Island. And they're filming a movie and they need a dozen or so Marines. And so we're given the ones we deemed to be squared away. And I guess, thankfully, I was squared away enough. They wanted to give me a shot. And we're given 12 to 15 of y'all a a slot in this movie. It's, it's a movie with uh, Richard Gere, and I was familiar with that actor's name, and it's going to be entitled An Officer and a Gentleman. And if you want the slot, you know, we'll give it to you. And I said, sign me up. And my thinking was very simply this. Uh, I'm a, a Christian. I'm a believer. What an opportunity, number one, to be a testimony. Uh, you know, here I am. I can get to something that would, you know, maybe be larger than me and, and uh, have that testimony. And I think sometimes too, is because I was young, I believe there's the notoriety factor. Wow. You know, I, I can be up in something that is uh, national or international and probably a little bit of pride there. Well, I'll never forget this. I went ahead and I was on a Wednesday. So Wednesday night, we had midweek service at church and prayer meeting. My pastor was Dr. Gary Prisk. And so following everything. Uh, we had a testimony time or, or taking prayer requests before we prayed. We had opportunities to give requests and testify. And I stood up probably a auditorium of about 200 and very proudly announced, hey, I just want you to know, praise the Lord. I've been selected for a role in a movie in Hollywood with a 
with an, an actor, a main actor called Richard Gere. And just uh, want to praise the Lord for that. Pray for me. And I remember when I made that <laughs> announcement, I think you could, uh, every head begin to go down. I mean, I, I was kind of standing there like a deer in headlights, young believer, thought this, everybody would shout and be, be excited. And really, I got, I got the silent treatment. People just looked like they began to pray for me immediately. And I didn't know <laughs> what that was all about. So so following that, Brother Prisk, I'll never forget, up from the pulpit, he said, well, that's a blessing, Brother Dave. Good to hear. And then he said, by the way, afterwards, uh, could I see you in my office? <laughs> and so, And so I thought, I don't know what this is about. And he was such a gracious man. I remember afterwards, he, he just said, now, Brother Dave, he said, tell me again about what this is all about. And I told him, and he said, you know, you might want to rethink that. First of all, do you know the rating of the movie? I said, well, I have no idea. And I think uh, since then, when I researched it, I think it found it was an R-rated movie. And I said, no, he said, and you know, he said, that might not be a good association. He said, you never know. God may call you into the ministry one day. You don't know down the road if your kids, this would be a good association to be with a guy like that and uh, that kind of a movie. And so you might want to rethink it. And he was so gracious. All he did is he left the choice up to me and uh, he never told me what to do. He just let me think it through and chew on it. And as a young believer, I felt his counsel was wise. And, and so the next day I came to my gunny and I said, you know, if it's all the same to you, gunny, just pull me. I just, I don't have peace about doing that. Give that to someone else. And, and he did. So there's the full story. I, you know, my Hollywood debut never happened. And it was probably for the better, you know, young believer. Uh, that was a moment, of, I think, big crossroads. <laughs> what do you know now that you wish you knew then regarding entertainment? I know you got the wisdom from him. And is there something that you didn't realize at that time in your walk with the Lord that you know for sure now regarding entertainment? Well, I think that when I look at that, I, I think as we look at entertainment as a whole today, I think that we have to realize it's not neutral. It just isn't neutral. Most entertainment out there is either going to conform you into the world or it's going to conform you in the image of Christ. And and I look back at that, and I, I think I felt that the association that was a household name and so forth would give me a platform, and I think that I, I was just not wise. So when I look at your question, I would say that probably I knew about the same amount then as I knew now. I think there was a young believer. I had to get my priorities right. And I think that I had to recognize that that was not neutral and that there was a principle of association I needed to be careful of. And, uh, and as I've grown now, there are many principles, and I call that principles. You see, when we're doing this podcast right now, it's interesting. You won't find the word entertainment in the Bible. It's nowhere there, not one time. Uh, but you won't find the word missionary in the Bible either. So, you know, that one has to look at that and realize that there's no way nowhere in scripture where it says thou shalt not you know watch entertainment per se it doesn't say thou shalt not eat pizza pizza's not even in the bible you know none of those things are so what we have to do and what i've learned to do is when i come to these crossroads i use principles rather than clear-cut precepts that are direct commands from god there are principles all scattered through the word of god that govern us and give us clarity for the questionable things or the things that aren't directly mentioned by scripture. And I believe entertainment is one of those that the word isn't used, but I think there's principles that govern that. So long story short, I believe that at the time I wasn't operating as much out of principle as I would be now. 
And I've grown and come to understand that there are principles that should govern us in areas that are not directly addressed by the Word of God. Yeah, that's so true. A lot of times Christians always try to find a command to for whether or not they should do something. And many times we can find a principle in Scripture that we can definitely yes. draw our conclusion from. Is it sinful to seek entertainment? If not, when does our pursuit of entertainment become idolatry? What a great question. I, um, I read this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 13, verse 12 and 13. The Spirit of God through the writer here said, I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. When I look at entertainment, is it sinful to participate in entertainment? We could say a board game. We could say a sporting event. We could say watching a show. Uh, entertainment, again, is that, uh, that idea of, of leisure, that idea of pleasure, relaxation, and fun. And I think God gives us those moments to come aside and to relax and enjoy the fruit of our labors. I think our pursuit of entertainment becomes idolatry, though, when it begins to supplant things that shouldn't be supplanted, when it becomes the ultimate priority in our life. It becomes, I like to use this word, obsessive. It becomes obsessive. And I think that the Lord always wants to be number one. He wants to have first place. He doesn't want to be second, third, fourth, or fifth. And when we look at America today and our culture, we are living in an entertainment culture today. Yep. The average amount of time that individuals in America spend on their phone, spend on Facebook, spend watching movies, watching sports, uh, just having the TV on five, six, seven hours a day. We are just entertainment overload. And it has become an idol. It has become an idol. And if you don't think that it has a grip on your heart, one of the meetings I came into here uh, last year in Florida, the pastor had a six-week fast prepping for the meeting. Fascinating. I thought six weeks. It's amazing anybody's still alive here. Well, what it was, <laughs> it wasn't just food. One week was sugar. Another was caffeine. A third week was no electronics outside of that which was necessary for your job. I wonder how many people right now watching the podcast, believers, you're heaven bound, you're saved. You made peace with God through the blood of Calvary. Your sins are gone. I wonder, could you shut all your electronics off for one solid week? You say, I couldn't live without them. And you have an idol in your heart then. You have something that's supplanting the Lord. And if you find it easier to shut your Bible off for a week, never really read it, never ever get too hungry for it, and you find it very easy to turn everything else on for a week, you have a big spiritual problem. And so I would, I would encourage you to try that test. Just go for a week and see if you can go with no electronics. You'll find out what place entertainment and electronics may have in your life. Do you think there's ever any instance, Brother Dave, where Christians can say, uh, it's just entertainment. It's not as bad as you're making it out to be. I don't really have an idol. It's just entertainment. It comes and goes. It's not a big deal. Is there ever any instance where a believer can actually say that? You know, the emphasis on the word just would kind of give me the motivation of the question. No, it's just entertainment. Now, we don't say that about Bible reading. Well, it's just Bible reading. What's the problem with that? So I think 
again, if somebody asks me that question with the emphasis on just, it kind of tells me maybe they're watching something they shouldn't and they're trying to excuse it. So is there a place for entertainment? Absolutely. I don't have a problem with Christians getting a break for a little bit here, going on a vacation, going ahead and playing a board game as a family, uh, maybe watching something wholesome. It's just entertainment. When I hear that dismissive way, it's almost a defensive way of defending something that maybe is indefensible. So uh, I don't think, and this is very critical, I don't think entertainment is neutral. I believe entertainment has a tendency to move us one way or another. And if that's the case, then we probably never can say it's just entertainment. We need to check and see what kind of entertainment it is. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that Hollywood and the other media outlets understand that. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't think a lot of Christians get that, that when Hollywood produce a movie, they're not just producing it because they want to entertain us. They always have something in there they want to indoctrinate us about. And, An agenda. Right. If you look at the sitcoms that were produced in the 70s and the 80s and maybe even the 60s, you see a big difference compared to the sitcoms that are being produced today. And you can yes. tell that the culture of the day is directly affecting what Hollywood is trying to put out. Christians tend to allow thoughts and ideas and actions in their homes via Hollywood and other medium that they would not allow in their home physically. For example, they would allow anti-biblical teaching, sexual scenes, and ungodly music in their home via the TV or other mediums when they would not allow it in any other way. Why do you think that happened? Well, uh, let me just bounce back, just tap something first you mentioned, and then come back to that direct question you just gave me. But you and I do need to recognize Hollywood recognizes the power of the movie industry. Uh, um, they recognize a mere 30 second commercial can make your child an advocate for a product. Now, if a 30 second commercial can go ahead and make your child an advocate for some toy or something that they just can't live without. They have to have it. I can't imagine what a one or two hour movie can do. And when you look at society today, we need to recognize the arts in society. We would say the music, the art industry, the movies that are produced. There was a time when those things in a society that was moral and moving um, toward character, they, those things were put out to inspire us to challenge us to become better, to, um, to go ahead and, and build character. And, but movies today are meant to shock us. They're meant to take this world and just jam it into us. And music and movies like music are not neutral. That, there's no way that producer, his value system comes through exactly what he produces. And he can, he can make Jesus look bad he can make sin look fun. He can break down the barriers that are there that had we stayed simple concerning evil, we would have, you know, we would have blushed the first time we saw it, but they have agendas. So why is, why is it Christians allow that kind of stuff into their home? Well, I think there, that answer is this. I think, first of all, there's an element of ignorance. I think some believers think it is neutral. There's just an element of ignorance. I think there's an element of immaturity. I think that 
their youth and how they were raised sometimes drags into their Christianity. I was raised in a home virtually had no television. I was a farm boy. You know, we never told our father, I'm bored. That was bad. Boy, you said that you got put to work. So <laughs> television wasn't a big part of my life and it never became a big addiction to me. But I know some people that in those early lost years, that was their life. That was constant. And, and in their immaturity, if they don't grow, they're going to stay continually in that case. And I, so I think it's ignorance. I think sometimes it's immaturity. Sometimes I, I just think it's addictive idolatry. It's a fleshly appetite that a Christian wants to fulfill when uh, God says you should make provision for your flesh. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. We will be right back. Sometimes, no matter how great the selection, you just can't find exactly what you want. Design It Yourself custom gift baskets solve that problem by allowing you to choose the specific products you want to include with your unique gift basket. And in addition to hand-selecting the products, you can further personalize your custom basket by adding coffee mugs, stuffed animals, mylar balloons, or even an imprinted ribbon. When you're done, we'll put it all together in a one-of-a-kind, perfect basket and ship or hand-deliver it directly to your lucky recipient. Click in the description section to design your basket today. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brother Dave, because I can't remember who I was speaking to, and I was talking to them about entertainment choices. I referred to, like an example, say in boxing. In boxing, you have MMA or any kind of combat sport. You have something called softening blows. They're not big punches that are meant to lay you out. They're just little jabs here and there meant to soften you up or meant to make you react a certain way to set you up for the big punch. And I think entertainment is kind of like that. It's just a little bit of sin here, a little bit of marginalizing of sin there so that you become desensitized to it. And then when the big blow comes, you have no defense because you've already been set up to not even notice when sin is displayed in front of you. Like you said, they make it look fun. They make it look like a better way. They make it look like it's a path to pursue when in reality, it's really setting up some traps for for the soul, for the mind, for the heart. And some Christians believe that it's okay to watch whatever content they please, as long as they know what's right from wrong, or as long as they can debrief their children afterward, like, okay, kids, let's talk about what was good in the movie and what was bad in the movie. A lot of Christians think it's okay <laughs> to watch a movie that could be filled with sin as long as they debrief afterward and explain everything that was wrong. What do the scriptures say to that line of thinking? You know, a verse that just leaps to mind is 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, And the Bible says there that evil communications corrupt good manners farm boy i raised on the farm we would say it this way if you lie down with dogs you're going to wake up with fleas <laughs> and you know the power of a poor friendship uh, proverbs 13 20 says this that he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed i think we need to recognize that our associations and those associations just don't have to be flesh and blood those friendships and associations can be the books we read, the movies we watch, the music we listen to, all of that collectively becomes a friendship that moves us one way or the other. We cannot be unaffected by friendships, by movies, by music, by entertainment. It has 
a message. And I love what, you know, the pastor who mentored me said this. He said, you know, when it comes to child rearing, we must never forget restroom walls are not required reading. And uh, <laughs> what he was saying is there's just some things that we don't need to be introducing them to. They should stay, you know, wise concerning good things and righteous things, but they should say simple concerning evil. Let's not make them wise concerning evil. A lot of times the Hollywood industry, that's all it does. So no, I would say it's not okay to watch whatever content that you want to watch. And uh, people say, well, when they get out in the world, how are they going to operate? You know, our goal really isn't that our children fit into the world. It's really more that they change the world. And if all they're going to be is thinking like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, and filled with the world, they're really not going to impact the darkness that's out there and the decay by just simply being like the world. We have to be wise. We have to put things in them that are godly, not ungodly. Yeah, that's so true. I can remember shows and my wife can quote lines from movies that she watched when she was a girl. And she would say she had been trying to memorize Ephesians for for years now and still haven't been able to get it down. So (laughs) it's amazing how the grip that entertainment have for us. I think you touched on this a little bit, but in what ways do our, our enemies, like the devil, the flesh, and the world, take what we see and hear and use it to our destruction? Well, Corinthians talks about the God of this world blinding minds. And of course, the first focus and desire the devil has is to get people so filled with everything except the knowledge of God and his word and his will that they just don't take the time or even desire to have the time to take to settle eternal questions. So there's a busyness, there's a worldly filling that takes place that keeps the focus here on earthly things and not on heavenly things. And I think that the devil, the flesh and the world, they work collectively together first to destroy a soul and to keep a person from settling that eternal question, when I die, where will I spend eternity? But I think for a Christian, it has the ability to stunt us spiritually. I think that when the devil, the flesh, and the world collectively become our focus, that we lose our spiritual effectiveness. We no longer are effective spiritually. And so their goal is to stunt us, to remove our spiritual power, and to fill us with everything except God's word. The world wants to fill us full of everything. When you look, when you look at how a Christian operates, we're in the world, but we're not of it. What that means is we can't become monks and sit in a cave. We're in it. We have to go out and do commerce. There's some things we'll see. We can't help it. It's just out there. It's the world. It's what it is. But as Christians out there, we're meant to sail. We're meant to be salt and light and get out there and change the world, not just fit in with it and conform to it. And my pastor said this, and he would say it, it. It's a great way to look at it. You know, Christians are like ships, and ships are meant to sail. There's no problem with a ship being in the water. There's no problem with a Christian going out and doing commerce in the world, you know. But there's a big problem when the water gets in the ship. And as believers, we can't let the water get into the ship to the degree that that becomes our obsession. That's what we live for. That's what we shout about. And there's an easy test to figure this out. The first thing you reach for in the morning when you wake up will tell you what your obsession is and what you're living for and chasing. Is it the word of God? 
or is it the remote? Is it your phone? Is it Facebook? Whatever you're obsessed about and whoever you're chasing will be who you reach, reach for first after your coffee and your toothbrush. And so we need to recognize the devil wants to destroy. If, if he can't get your soul, he'll get your testimony. And we don't need to be unwise concerning his ultimate goal. And that is to corrupt us and get us to a point where we're ineffective and unable to even be the salt and light God called us to be. You know, Brother Dave, you mentioned how when Christians are trying to make excuses for what they watch, like in the previous question, we talked about how, oh, some Christians will watch whatever they want as long as they can discern right from wrong. But I've run into Christians who will straight up tell you, hey, this is a liberty issue. I can watch whatever I want because the scriptures don't say ABC or XYZ. They feel like they could watch whatever they want. What would you tell that Christian? What do the scriptures say to that kind of attitude? Well, the verse that leaps to mind is Galatians 5.13. says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. So liberty is a, the result of salvation. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But instead, by love, serve one another. You and I weren't saved to sin. You and I weren't saved to be filled with the world's things. We're saved from the world. We're not saved to be filled with the world. So I would simply say that Christian liberty has the most power, just like a train. The greatest liberty a train has is when it's on the tracks. Oh, it can go anywhere it wants to go, but it doesn't do too well off the tracks. And the greatest liberty and power a Christian will have is not being literally plunged into the world, but instead abiding in him and his word. That's our power and the liberty. We've been set free, not to sin. We've been set free so we can serve. He saves us from this world. He doesn't save us to live and uh, be pressed into the world. That's what I would say to that. Galatians 5.13, that is a, they don't have a good concept of what Christian liberty is. Just to piggyback off that a little bit, is liberty a license to sin? I've heard this so many times from so many Christians that it's almost like I can do whatever I want because I have liberty in Christ. I'll quote the verse again. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. That's sinning. Amen. Only instead by love serve one another. So no, you, you don't have liberty to sin. Uh, you know, what shall we sin that grace may abound? What are the next two words? Scripture says, God forbid. He saved you from your sin. He didn't save you so you can live in your sin. Definitely. Yes, brother. So many Christian artists justify making content similar to what we see in the world by saying that we must compete with the world in order to counter the allure of the world. Are they right? Are there any dangers in this line of thinking? Yeah, great question. We saw that big with the CCM music movement a contemporary Christian movement, contemporary Christian music, and it would probably be very similar in the idea of some individuals producing movies and trying to compete with Hollywood. I would say this, that a lot of times, you look back at the contemporary Christian movement, the music movement, CCM, and there were actually some artists that were genuinely, they were very sincere, I think of Keith Smith and some others. I never got into that. I just researched this once in a series I preached called Our Rock is Not Their Rock. And I remember 
finding that there were some artists that genuinely felt that if they could take the world's music, the world's media and of music, and then put Jesus' words in there, that they could get that gospel message out and evangelize the world. They were very sincere. Not all, but some were very sincere in that. But as you look at the fruit that comes from that, and I've just studied it over the years, the, the belief that you could take the world's music and then put a biblical message in there, tuck it in, and use that to evangelize the world. I found that it did not save the lost. Rarely you'll find anybody that ever got saved at a CCM concert. You'll find them getting saved under preaching. You'll find them getting saved reading their Bible. You'll find that they came to the Lord uh, with the help of a friend directing them through scripture. Rarely, I think I heard one time a guy tell me he came to the Lord in a CCM concert. It didn't evangelize the lost what it did it carnalized the saved it oh, wow. actually carnalized saved people who bought into the lie that music was neutral and music is not neutral without a single word music says a message whether it's march music dance music it kimberly my oldest daughter kimberly and i we did illustrated that in a series i did on our rock is not our rock and i remember just changing one note you can change a chord in that that musician, that producer could literally on his palette of chords and rhythms, and he could paint this picture in your mind without a word being spoken. And you take that and now now move to Hollywood industry, how they they literally paint a picture. So I I don't I don't think we should the Bible says come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. And I think separation, this is what's being challenged today. Just because you're separated doesn't mean you're a legalist. Just because you want to get away from the world, not get as close to it, doesn't mean you're a legalist. You're not adding anything to salvation. You're just wanting to lead a clean and holy life so that God would get honor and glory and you could be used of him to make a difference in lives out there. So, no, I think what you win them with is what you win them to. I think we have to be careful. Now, Brother Dave, you mentioned earlier how entertainment is, or at least the idea of leisure, of pleasure, of fun, is actually a gift from God, being able to enjoy the fruits of our labor, time off, and things of that nature. I guess my question is, how should we apply that truth when it comes to participating in sports? I know of a family, very godly family, they have a ministry online, and they write godly books and help a lot of homeschool families and things like that, but they don't allow their children to participate in sports at all, not to play in it, not to watch or anything like that, because they believe it's a waste of time. And I know Christians who would, you know, champion participating in sports and watching sports and things like that. I guess my question is, what are the differences or and similarities between playing sports and consuming sports when we're talking about the great little G God of entertainment. Like with all of the benefits of sports competition, is there ever a time where it becomes idolatry or should Christians just throw out competition out the window altogether? How can we use the scriptures to discern in that realm? No, oh, that's a great question. I did play sports in high school. I played football. I played basketball, then an individual sport, track. I ran in track just to get ready for the Marine Corps. I look at the sports industry in America, and you have to admit it's a god. There's no doubt about it. And almost everything about that industry is very ungodly. You look at the players, you look, 
you say, well, what do you mean by ungodly? Well, what's in the world? You know, we're commanded, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he lists them for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I think when we look at the industry of sports, it rivals, it's a form, it again, it's a subset of entertainment, but it is brings out sometimes the worst in people, not the best. You're looking at sports stars that are lifted up. They hate God. They want nothing to do with God. And next thing you know, their pictures are in the children's bedrooms, you know, hanging up there, festooning the walls. They're the heroes. God doesn't exalt those heroes. God exalts those who are rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. You find that oftentimes that competition, it's just the pride of life. It's just, I beat you and I'm the best and the beating of the chest. There are so many bad things that come from the sports industry. And as I think what one, what one pastor came across from Russia, he watched a giant sporting event. His host pastor took him to some professional game. And after he got done with the game, the pastor, American pastor said, so what do you think of that? And that pastor, I thought was very wise in his answer. He said, that was the most incredible first-class dedication I've seen to a second-class cause. And as a minimum, the priorities get all messed up. Our children see us shout at a sporting event, but we don't ex get excited when somebody gets saved. Hmm. And, you know, our children see us pay good money and go out of our way to get over there, buy tickets and, and get that. But, but we don't get in the front seat of the church house. I'm watching churches in America as an evangelist. When I come in, I see something interesting. You will see most people in the back half of the church. Only in the church house are the best seats in the back of the church. At a sporting event, the best seats are in the front of that thing. And it's a picture. People don't even realize it. It's a picture of where their heart is. They're trying to get away from God. They're not trying to get closer to him. But when they get to the sporting event, they're trying to get closer to that event. And this is the problem with sports. It becomes an idol of the heart many times. Young men who have some talent God gave them suddenly become this incredible focus. And they don't know how to deal with all the adulation. They're made to think they're something they're really not. They're just a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. And things get lifted up and glorified that shouldn't be lifted up and glorified. So do I think that a child shouldn't play some organized sports? I wouldn't go that far. But I would say this. When they do, the greater lesson is not winning or losing. The greater lesson is character. As one man once said very wisely, you can tell a little bit about a man by how he plays the game, but you can tell everything about him by how he loses. And I think the ultimate goal is to glorify God in everything we do and to move, have sports in its, its little tiny drawer, not this huge library of our life. Ought to be the exception, not the rule. I hope that helped clarify it a little more. Parents need to make a decision on that. And I say this as I travel where I'll see a lot of young people in sports, in churches, my wife and I like to say, do you, are you playing an instrument? Are you playing piano? And all they've done is develop a skill that they'll probably never use again for the rest of their life when the tassel goes on graduation, but they could have used music for the Lord for the rest of their life. So I think parents need to be wise about moving their children toward things that can be used for the Lord, not necessarily just used for the flesh or winning a game or just simply for the sake of entertainment. Like you, I played sport in high school. I played cricket and I played basketball and I remember 
we actually went to the finals in cricket. We went two years in a row in the finals. We lost both years, but it was amazing because the finals game was the only game that the school actually let out early and allowed the students to come and actually watch the game. All the other wow. games, we basically played without anyone watching. And I wasn't anything popular in high school or anything. But even though we lost, that was a Thursday, the Friday, I was the most popular guy in the school that day just because yeah, of, of that sport. The notoriety. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It just so happened that I was feeling, I don't know if you know much about cricket, but I was placed. It's a long game. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was placed right under the area in the stadium where most of my school folks oh, were sitting. So I was the closest player to them. And the next day, it was like, whoa, this is different. I actually had to sit in my classroom because going to my classroom, everyone knew me all of a sudden. So yes. it's amazing how the entertainment can sway people. I think this went on yeah. for like a week. And I was like, incredible. We lost. This world, this world glorifies almost everything and everybody except Jesus Christ. It just, that's what they lift up and exalt. And it's all temporary. There's nothing eternal in most of that glorification and uh, the idolatry. So, yeah, I think parents need to be very careful. I think if they can get their children involved in things that can be used for the Lord, that's much, much better investment and use of time than just simply things that are sports and entertainment and years down the road, they're just never really going to use for the Lord. Yeah. That's a very good point that both of you brought up. I'm just thinking about this in real time, how look at the situation that we're in here today, where you pretty much had anarchy in the streets for, for months here in the United States. And whenever a celebrity would tweet or get on social media to reflect on the issues, the whole world would side with them and people would be swayed toward an opinion against what the scriptures say would be swayed toward an opinion to support anarchy, to support godlessness, to support unrighteousness. And so it's interesting. It's a double whammy. Entertainment doesn't only encourage us to become idolaters in the sense of entertainment is more important than God in our lives, but it also encourages us to make idols out of these famous people who are championing yes. ungodly things in the first place. Yes. So that's definitely a reason to be very wary of entertainment and its effect in our hearts and in our lives. Yes. Yeah, definitely. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. We will be right back. Antivirus software protects you from malware. But to protect your privacy and security on the web, you need a virtual private network or VPN. Did you know that Ivacy offers an easy-to-use VPN app for each of your favorite devices? From Windows, Macs, and smartphones to smart TVs, tablets, and browser extensions, and even gaming consoles. Get Ivacy for your choice of devices to secure your connection, browse with privacy, and access content from anywhere in the world. Go to ivacy.com or click the link in the show notes. Use coupon code removing barriers for a 20% discount. What biblical principles or commands should Bible believing Christians apply to the entertainment they allow in their home and their lives? I think as we tap the principles to live by, we tap that a little bit. I think 
you'll find in scripture, there are actually 10 principles. We, you know, we go precepts, we call them 10 commandments. Years ago, I put together a little study called the 10 principles of the word of God. And I want to just read those right now very quickly and just take a moment. But the first is an appearance principle. First Thessalonians 5.22, where the Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, in other words, don't go in a bar to get a soda. That just doesn't look good. All right. That's the appearance principle. Then there's a simplicity principle in Romans 16, 9, uh, that you and I should be simple concerning evil. It shouldn't make you wise. It should make you simple and keep you innocent, if you will. That's the simplicity principle. There's a conformity principle, Romans 12. Be not conformed to the image or likeness of this world. That's a conformity principle. Does your entertainment conform you more into the world? Does it get you thinking like the world? There's a provision principle. Make no provision for the flesh and the lust thereof. Does your entertainment, your movies and things, does it actually feed your flesh or does it feed the spirit? And that's Romans 13, 14. There's a stumbling block principle found in the word of God. Romans 14, 13, that you and I shouldn't be a stumbling block to a weaker brother. Is what you do, is that going to become a stumbling block? Or could we say it this way? What you do as a parent, is that going to be something that causes your children to stumble? as they see the entertainment that you're bringing in. There's a sixth principle called the sincerity principle, and that's in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, you should be able to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. In other words, can you say, I'm doing this for God? There's the glorification principle, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. Whatever we do should be done to the glory of God. Can you say, this is for him? This is for him. This lifts him up, what I'm doing right now. Or does this lift lost people up? I think that's something we have to consider. I think there's the thankfulness principle. Can you stop and thank God for what you're about to watch? All right. Can you just first Thessalonians 518 and everything give thanks? Can you pause and say, Lord, thank you so much for this R-rated movie we're about to watch? Can you do that? <laughs> I don't think you can, you know. And then I think there's the practical principle, Colossians 2 and verse 6. And that would be simply, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I always tell people when, when you're looking at entertainment, maybe you're not where you should be with the movies you watch and things. If you say, could we invite our pastor and our pastor's wife and family to come over and watch this movie with us? But if the answer is no, then why would you invite Jesus to watch it with you? I mean, I just, I look at that. What would Jesus do? You know, we have to be so wise. We have to guard this and we don't need to be like the world. This is what they live for. All they have is this life. We have way more than this life. This isn't even our home. This world should be dead to us because we're dead to the world. They do not want us at their party. We will kill their party when we show up. They do not want us there. And we shouldn't want the world here. Both are mutual death to, between the believer and this world. So I look at that. There's 10 principles. I think if Christians took those 10 principles and just applied them to their entertainment, I think they would sift some things out that wouldn't pass the principle test. And it would keep you a little closer to the Lord and a lot less close to the world. You mentioned the stumbling block principle, Brother Dave, and you talked about how parents can be a stumbling block to their children by allowing them to watch things and participate in things that might not be beneficial to their spiritual growth. You've been a husband for 36 years. You've got six kids, 11 grandkids, one on the way. When you look back on how you've raised your children and 
interacting with your grandchildren now, what forms of entertainment did you provide for your children and grandchildren that you see have yielded godly fruit? And what would you recommend for Christian parents today? Great question. You know, when we raised our six children, we never had television. We just didn't have it. Now, we had a TV monitor that was hooked up to a VCR or a CD player so we could control content. That was the first thing we would do. The movies, or, or I should say anything we watched, I remember the days when we would just rent film strips, of, you know, Laurel and Hardy and Abbott Costello. We'd rent them from the library. That's all we had. We just didn't watch TV. It wasn't, and we were probably put on a special, we called it a movie night, one Friday every other week. That's how we would do it. We wouldn't do Saturday because we were getting ready for church for Sunday and want to be up late filling ourselves with, well, not filling, but having entertainment. We want to get to bed early. So every other Friday was movie night. Those were just what I call the neutral times, the laughing, having fun. We just, we enjoyed it. But the, the entertainment and the things we did that I felt brought really good fruit spiritually were biographies and missionary stories. My wife would read them. I suppose now we would have DVDs that we could watch the biography of a great missionary or a true life story of an evangelist or somebody that served God faithfully. Those are just great entertainment because they're more than entertainment. They're truth. Philippians says this, finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? Very first thing, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise? Well, then think on these things, Philippians 4, 8. And I look at the entertainment and I think those missionary stories, those biographies, the true life stories of heroes of the faith. I can't think of a time as we traveled across America, my wife would be reading one of those books in the co-pilot seat, the right-hand seat of the motorhome. And I'd be over in the captain's chair driving and all six of our children kind of semi-circled between us listening. And every time we finished one of those chapters, she would finish reading one and collectively they'd all say read another chapter can we read another chapter mom is that okay if we read another chapter dad and i'm like yeah i want to read another what's going to happen next <laughs> that was entertainment but boy was that good entertainment you, you look at patch the pirate we had all the patch stuff you know we had adventures and odyssey we listened to those eugene was always the favorite the geeky eugene so there was entertainment but i'll tell you it always had a purpose and it moved them toward godly things and that's what parents should go now, we know that not everyone was raised in a Christian home, and even many Christians that were raised in a Christian home allowed ungodly entertainment into their houses. And so some of those things that we grew up watching and listening to, they really stick to you. Even in your old age, you remember the shows and the, the shows you used to watch, the music you used to listen to. And as you grow in the Lord, you realize that this is actually a stumbling block. This doesn't really glorify the Lord. It might be a part of your childhood, but it's not a good thing. And I know that every parent would love to share their childhood with their children so that they could share with their children what they enjoyed as kids. But many times those choices of entertainment are not good things. What would you say to Christians who grew up with ungodly entertainment or entertainment that didn't yield any godly fruit? and are still having to struggle with it, even as adults, just remembering it, recall, tempted to go back and listen to and watch those things they enjoyed as children. What would you say to Christians struggling with that in their walk with the Lord today? Well, I think that's a real good question because that's a 
you know, all of us had BC days before Christ. Right. And we bring things into that. I think the first thing you do, it's a matter of focus. Paul said to the church at Philippi, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward or toward those things which are ahead and above, which is Jesus Christ. I think there's some things we just need to forget. We don't need to dwell on. Can't change them. You can't go through your Christianity staring at the rearview mirror. It's not a good drive. It's not a good ride. There's some things you need to forget. But I think there's some things you can replace. We are a computer. Our mind catches things. It stores them. We have storage drive in us. And I think what you do is you first make no provision for the flesh. Stop putting those inputs in. But second of all, start putting new inputs in. Start getting into the word of God and just replacing. And the more you fill yourself with godly things, the more it dilutes and begins to diminish the control of the ungodly things. I'm very fond of uh, sharing a message entitled Abide in Him. And I use a sponge as the illustration. Hmm. And it's interesting. You uh, Sponges operate the same way. First of all, if you want to find out what's really in a sponge, all you have to do is squeeze it. All right. So we sometimes look spiritual, but when we get squeezed, we find out we got a lot of junk in there. We didn't know what was still there. The second thing about a sponge is it only picks up what you put it in. And as we go through life after we're saved, we get choices now that we're saved to place it and soak up things along the way en route to heaven. And some of those things are godly. Some of those things are ungodly, but we have the choice. We're a free moral agent where to place our sponge. But here's the third thing to recognize. Every sponge has a saturation point. And once it's saturated, it doesn't matter what you put it in. It's not going to pick anything up. Here's the dilemma. Looking back in the past, maybe looking even future, this is a present truth that you can use. Hey, if in the past you've been soaking up things you shouldn't, take time to let the Lord ring you out, to empty you of self, and then start placing your heart in things that are godly and soaking them up. You see, if you'll fill yourself with godly things, there won't be a lot of room for the ungodly. You'll be saturated. That's why he says in Colossians 3.16, let, which means allow the word of Christ to dwell in you. And then he gives that word richly. It means saturate it. Don't just snack on it. Memorize it. Read it. Listen to it. Get involved with it at every level you can. Fill yourself so full of the things of God, the word of God, uh, the stories of the great saints of God, that there's just, there's not a lot of room for that other stuff. So you go back in the past, you say, I came in with a lot of that. Let the Lord bring you out. He can do that. He can go ahead and bring you to that point where those things get set aside and then fill yourself with godly things. And just like a crop, if you'll keep sowing good seed, that old harvest eventually goes away. You got to give it time. And the new crop eventually overtakes it. And it won't happen like that. It takes time. Uh, we need to be patient and just sow the seed and let it come to fruition and overtake the old crop and let the new crop become the mainstay of who we are and what we are. Amen. So I hope I hope that helped yep. a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm um, talking about our God entertainment of the past. I tell you, this cartoon, Captain Planet, <laughs> anyone who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s that Watch Captain Planet, man. That was my show, Brother David. That was your show. That, that was, was my Johnny show. Quest. I, Johnny Quest was my show, man. I don't even know what Captain Planet is. Hey, you got to understand, software wasn't even a word when I was a kid. We didn't even know what that, that wasn't even a word. So it was Johnny Quest, you know. That 
was the big one. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing because I watched all the episodes of Captain Planet a few years ago when I was out of a job. It was the first time in my life I realized how strong of a leftist agenda they were pushing in, Isn't in that, that show. Isn't that interesting? I never yep. picked up on that as a kid. I just enjoy all the powers and let summon yep. Captain Planet and all these crazy stuff. Watch it as an adult. I was like, wow. Right. And, I, that's good. And, I could testify to that too. I grew up, my father works at Disney, Disney World. So oh, oh my. we, I mean, we grew up on Disney and recently I've gone back to watch a few of these different movies that we saw and I, I'm just flabbergasted. The blatant anti-God, and it's very subtle actually, I should say it's very subtle, but now I'm looking at it, it's very blatant anti-God messages. There's a sensitivity. You have a sensitivity now. Yeah. Right. And But as a child, it completely went over my head and never noticed it as a child. And looking back, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I would ever even sit down and watch something like that. So I totally get what MCG is saying there. Yeah. You know, and I think we are oftentimes, we are so unaware of the devices of the devil you go back, if you want to get the control of a population, you go for their children first. That's just how you do it. I don't care if it's a political movement like communism or socialism. You get the young generation in on that deal and they grow up and become advocates. If it's the devil trying to blind minds, change value systems and priorities, you get them when they're kids. And so why don't we as Christians determine that becomes our battleground? We need to get in the fray. We need to recognize that's not neutral. And we need to go ahead and be wise and battle for the hearts of our children and the minds of our children and get them pointed toward God, not away from him. Get them pointed toward godliness, not toward ungodliness. And entertainment becomes a big deal in that battle, clearly. clearly. Yeah. So how can we slay this God of entertainment in our lives? Well, I think it comes back to not making provision for it, not making provision for the flesh and the lust thereof. And then I think number two, it comes back to filling ourselves with the things of God, the sponge, if you will. I have found that when you look at the battleground, a lot of times we say we need to get away from this, we need to get away from that. You know, uh, sanctification would be clean, stay clean, guard your heart, you know. Make your own provision for the flesh and the luster of all those things are good. But really, in First Peter, it says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And really, I think the biggest focus is not necessarily trying to get away from the world. I think the biggest focus should be trying to get as close to the Lord as we can. Because mm -hmm. the closer we get to him, automatically, the further we'll get from the world. It's just an automatic. And it really does come down to our personal walk with the Lord. It comes down to our time in his word. It comes down to filling ourselves with spiritual things, memorizing scripture, thy word have I hid in mine heart. It comes down to not allowing the devil to have a place and the world to have a foothold in our life, but letting God have preeminence. See, I believe today, when you look at American Christianity, I believe today that Many, many people that are saved have a place for the Lord in their heart. I really believe they do. I don't think they have given him no place. I think they have a place for him. The problem is oftentimes it's not first place. And then things begin to unravel. The Lord does not want to be second place, third place, fourth, fifth, sixth. With the God of entertainment, with the God of sports, 
and all of those other gods somewhere ahead of him. He's the Lord, our God. He's one Lord. And we should love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, all our soul, our own mind, all of our mind and all of our strength. And he should be number one. Nothing else should have a greater focus than him and his son. And so to slay him, I say, get close to the Lord, to the believer. You get as close to Jesus Christ as you possibly can. Make him your ultimate love affair. And all that other stuff takes the right place. It starts fading and becomes very, very minimal. Let me just read something here. I think in uh, 2 Corinthians, it covers this so well. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 16 says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, those are eternal. You look at the God of this world, He's Satan, but there is a God in heaven as well. These are two kingdoms. And I would say to anybody viewing who has never settled the eternal question, where do I go when I die? I would say to you, would you turn your eyes to that second kingdom and consider God to be your father? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to that father, but by me, the neck in the funnel is Jesus Christ. It's not a church. It's not even you. It's Jesus Christ who died for your sins, rose again for your justification, and promises eternal life to those who believe. The verse that awakened me was in 1 John 5. It says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he closes with this. He said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. You know, of all the things you have here on this world, whatever it may be from material things to entertainment to a beautiful home, wonderful family, I wonder if the greatest possession is a Savior, Jesus Christ. I was 18 years old when I became a believer. I trusted Christ as my Savior. And for me, this world's no longer my home. I'm just passing through. It offers so many things. It offers the pleasures of sin for a season. But my Savior offers pleasures forevermore. And I hope today you have the assurance that heaven is your home. For that kingdom, there will be no end. Every show ends. Every quarter runs out on the game. But for the Christian, the best is yet to come. And it's way better than the entertainment this world gives. It's the reality of eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Brother Dave, thank you for joining us on the Removing Barriers podcast. Absolute blessing. Lord bless you. Trust this was a help to me. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us or to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash removing barriers. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers 
so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.